All right, well, you have to stay up here because I want y'all to turn around. This is the parents sent me these pictures, and the parents hit a home run, and uh, these pictures tell a little bit of the story of their life. And and uh, I had, I looked, now this is, so, so go ahead, before, turn, start over because I want the lights down because you can't see very good up here. So turn the lights down. Yeah, turn them even lower. And then start over. Okay, here we go. This is the new baby, Jigs. Seven pounds, 12 ounces. Now, that's not the new baby. Who is that? That's Wilsey, yeah. When I tell you to stop here, well, that's not what, that's Julie. So you're mixing them up, okay. Stop right there. Can you stop? Can you go back? Yeah, just stop. Okay, okay, so you can't stop. Okay. Can you pause it? That's Julius. Is there a story behind that, Julius? No? Just felt like doing it. All right, good. Okay, keep going. If I tell you pause, hit pause. Go ahead. Now stop, pause there. That just, I think, does that just capture her? Look at me, I'm graduating, that's awesome, yeah, that's so cool, she had several of those, that is so cool, go ahead. Wow. Mm -mm -mm. See, see? Wow. Stop, pause. So do y'all know who that is? Do you even have to guess? (laughs) <laughs> we'll see. Is there a story behind that one? Not that Did you, you don't remember that? Okay. All right. Go ahead. Yeah, it's Wilsey. I just love that picture. What a blessing. Was that all of them, Don? Okay, thank you. You guys can be seated. Thank you very much. Let's give my hand. You know, there's a lot that's going wrong in this world today, and you don't have to be too aware to realize that. There just is. There's a lot of bad news, gloom, despair, and all those kinds of things that we're hearing and seeing in our lives and the world that we live in. But I have to tell you that as I got those pictures this week and knew what we were going to celebrate, that just uh, it was a very clear reminder uh, to me. I always think of the, peop- the, the story of Elijah, and he defeats, God defeats the prophets of Baal. And It's this great victory, but it drained Elijah, and he was so afraid because of an evil queen and king, Jezebel specifically, and he would flee, just overwhelmed um, with fear. And God reminded him, he said, said, listen, you don't have anything to worry about. You have nothing to worry about. There's 7,000. I have 7,000 set aside. It's going to be okay. And as dark as the world seems sometimes, this is a reminder seeing three Christian families with outstanding young young adults now. um, It's a reminder. And specifically, in relationship to that, I'm reminded Jesus said, I'm going to build a church. 
and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And everything else is going to come. Every nation and leader and political party will have an end, but the body of Christ has no end. It's eternal. And this is good. This is good. We're called family, and that's why we celebrate something like this. We want God to get all the glory. God gets the glory with these young families and these young adults. So turn your attention to Philippians. This will be my commencement sermon to you, and uh, it really is. Uh, In the book of Philippians in chapter 1, Paul writes, I'm confident, verse 6, Philippians chapter 1, I'm confident. I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So the rest of the book is based upon the proof of that statement. He makes a statement, then he proves the statement. All the doctrine in the book of that letter to the Philippians is based upon this introductory statement and then the proof of it. So I'm just going to narrow it down from a commencement standpoint. If you were my children and this was something that I wanted you to know just very concisely so that as you move forward from 18 or 19 and going to college and uh, I'm probably going to get, you know, get married and start having children, just living what we do in our life, and then faced and confronted with all the darkness too. Because as we live, and if you live long enough, there's going to be disease there's going to be divisions and there's going to be failures. And uh, I, I read somewhere, probably saw it on social media where somebody pointed, I don't like this adulting thing. You know, let me, I don't like adulting. But the scripture says that life has many troubles. But Jesus would say, you can have peace because I've overcome the world. So I want you to think about that. So in Philippians chapter 4, it's Philippians chapter 4. Um, Paul makes this statement. He said that I have learned the secret to be content in every situation. Verse 12, he says, uh, now I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know, uh, how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance I have learned. There's the word. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry both of having abundance and suffering need. Now, verse 11, not that I speak from what, for I have learned to be content in every and in whatever circumstance I am. Now, that would be the best that any of us could hope for. Uh, We'll see in Julius and Courtney, the best that you could hope for is to learn to be content in whatever or any circumstance. It it just would. Tragically, uh, this... uh, House of Hope was here, it's the third weekend of each month, Um, a young man put in one of these prayer requests, and this is tragic, but it certainly fits the moment. Um, A a dear friend of his was three days away from graduating at Texas Tech uh, in engineering school, and so here's a young 23-year-old young man who's about to graduate with a degree in engineering from Texas Tech. And uh, he decided that life wasn't worth living anymore. That's the truth of the world we live in. And it, be, it can be very depressing. And Paul says, and remember, I don't know if you know this, Paul's an old man in prison when he writes this. His health is bad. He's been conspired against. And he says, I've learned the secret to be content in 
whatever, in any circumstance. And this is, he makes the statement after he gives you the proof of that. So we're going to do the proof real quick. Here's the first thing you need. Here's the commencement sermon that is the truth about being content. Spiritual, biblical, Christian truth. Number one, what does he say? Chapter one, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brethren, this is what he has learned. This is where his confidence in the work that God is doing in his life. Number one, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greatest progress, the greater progress of the gospel. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. Number one, you want the secret to be content in every, not just the secret, the truth, to be content in any and whatever circumstance. Number one, number one, number one, number one, progress the gospel. You know what's a little bit frustrating about the church and the body of Christ and Christians? We do a lot of religious stuff. And we do a lot of things that are personal to us that, I don't know, we've developed a a thought process and a motivation in our Christianity. You know the number one thing? The number one thing. You want to cure all the L's? Jesus said that I came not to be served, but to serve. And then he passed that on to you and I very clearly with a commission. Now, we watched a youth group little short film the last two weeks. It's called The Room. You should Google it. It's called The Room. And there's a 20-year-old girl. She, it's in black and white, and she's in this room. She finds herself in a room, and in that room, there's a file to every, everything in her life, every thought, every emotion, every action, every word, everything. And she starts to open up the files, and the file was the boys I liked. What is this boy and that boy? And there was information about that. And then the things, the disrespectful things she said to her parents, every one of them was there. Good thing, the joyful things that she'd done, the things that brought her peace. The, and then she, there was one. It said, the music I've listened to. And the file was so thick, there was no end to it. And then one said, my lustful thoughts. And she couldn't bear and she wouldn't want anybody to read it. Then there was another file. In the file, she said, people I've shared the gospel with. And there was just very little in that file. And she's heartbroken. And she's ashamed. And she can't tear, the, she can't tear this record up. And the Lord comes into the room. And she's so ashamed. And he doesn't say a word. He just starts picking up each file. And where her name is, he puts his name in blood, his blood, Jesus. And he sits with her and they cry. And he just picks her up by the hand and walks her out of the room. You should read it. It's a 10-minute video. It's called The Room. But here's what I have found. No matter Courtney, Wilsey, Julius, the times in my life where I, things are just not good, mostly because of something Aubrey has done, God has given me an opportunity to share the gospel. I cannot tell you how many times I've walked into a prison unit or a jail cell or a hospital room or a study with someone. And no matter what's going on in my life, just share the gospel. It's the last thing Satan wants you to do. It's the first thing God wants you to do. When you share the gospel, you learn to be content 
in whatever the circumstances are. No matter what's going on, I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to share the gospel. Lord, help me to share the gospel. Help me to share the gospel. Number one. Number two, he makes this statement. He, a powerful statement, one that you know, one that you've heard. Chapter 1 again, verse 21. He writes, for me to live, for to me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But, it, but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I don't know which one to choose. But I'm hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to part and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on the flesh is more necessary for your sake. So here's the thing. Share the gospel, no matter what your circle. Progress the gospel. Don't progress depression or anger or jealousy or envy. Number two, have, have the right understanding about living in death. Here's what we know. We are living now, and we are going to die. Each and every one of us, and those of us who are a little older, and the, to- the clock is ticking, we know we're going to die. It's going to get here as fast as your senior year got here. Let me tell you something, brother and sister. As fast as I got here, no matter what curveball you have and what success you have or place you live or things that happen, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to be 45, 55, 65, and you're going to say, Where, what, whoa, wow. And so here's, we're living, and as much as we're living, we're all going to die in this flesh. And if you have the right mindset, if you have this mindset I don't fully understand all that. Poets and uh, Hollywood script writers and all these people have been emphasizing living here on earth, living here on earth, live, live for yourself, live for the gusto, pursue this, get this, got to have that. Solomon would say it's just all vanity. But when you, if you have this mindset, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. To live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm very much involved with a gentleman who's a dear friend of mine, and he's dying. He's going to die, and he's probably going to die within the next year. Things are very ter- Things are just difficult for him, and he's going to leave behind a wife and a son and a daughter-in-law, and he's such a great guy, and he's such a... And I know it. When he says it, I know he means it. I've been doing this a long time. He said, Aubrey, I'm ready. I'm just ready. I really am. And, you know, there's one thing to say it. There's another thing to live it. And if you can understand that I'm just here temporarily, my life is a vapor, but to live is Christ. Is, to live is not Aubrey. To live is not Julius. To live is not Wilsey. To live is not Court. To live is Christ. And so when I say that, here's what I know. To die is gain. That's not depressing. That's powerful. Number three. Number three, he says this. You want to learn the secret to be content in every circumstance? He says, do nothing. Verse three of chapter two, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. If I had one verse that every Christian, you could just park your bus and say, okay, I need to remember this right now. Right now, this would be it. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Wouldn't that be a powerful church? Wouldn't that be a powerful Christian family? Wouldn't that be a powerful Christian marriage? Wouldn't that be a powerful Christian workplace? 
Then he says, do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also the interest of others. And here it is. Have, have this attitude. So Julius, this is all choice. Everybody here gets to make this choice. You get to choose in your circumstances, what am I going to do? I'm going to pro- progress something. I don't like my circumstances, so I'm going to progress anger and frustration and drama and sadness and jealousy and depression till I get my way, or, or I'm just so angry, I'm just enveloped with this frustration and depression. You can do that, that, that. But see, you have a choice. We talk about choice. Or you say, you know what, I'm going to progress the gospel. The story of the Bible is men and women in the Bible who terrible things were happening. And you know what they did when terrible things were happening? Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the Lord I serve. Let me tell you about the God of all eternity. Let me tell you about forgiveness and mercy and grace. I'm going to talk about these things. It don't matter what's going on in my life. It doesn't matter what the doctor says I have. It doesn't matter how somebody's acted. It doesn't matter that somebody's left my life. All that matters, I'm going to tell you about Jesus, man. Now we're good. I'm content. And let me tell you, because of that, I can tell you to live as Christ and to die as gain. I'm going to go on living. It's good. Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's all good. What else could it be? Because if I die today on the way home, if I die tomorrow, if I die in the next hour walking out of this building, I'm going to gain something. And the Bible says, and Paul wrote to the Corinthians, death, where's your sting? I have been to so many funerals, and I have seen the sadness of those people that only know the value of life, and they don't know the gain of death. But I have been in those funerals where people knew the gain of death. I've been in a hospice room where somebody's dying, and they say, you know, it's good. I'm going to sing. I know my Redeemer, and I know that he lives, and I know that I'll see him, and they sing it, and they're dying life, and the embers are flowing out, and the moments are closing, and there isn't really sadness. I've seen it. And then this one here, here it is, choice. Have the same attitude that was evident in Jesus Christ. That although he existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself to the point of slave and became obedient to the point of death. You're 100% in charge of your attitude. Nobody else. Your mom, your dad, your circumstances, the college professor, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, if we will own our attitude in relationship to Jesus Christ, check mark. It's all fixed. Checkmate. The devil has been beaten. But we don't. But there's the answer. There's the commencement gospel message. Number four. We only got one more. See, I told you it's going to be quick. Chapter three. He goes on and he talks about, whoo, you need to beware of dogs, man. Verse two. Evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. But then he goes on, and I love you guys when you go next door, that you're going to get a little bit of the resume of these graduates. Their mom and dad have put out great pictures of their lives. And by the way, you're not going to lunch today, so leave them a good gift. That's just a plug. But, uh, but everybody has a resume. Well, I graduated here. I graduated with honors. I went here. I, I, you know, the, boy, they got a big deal in this town. An Aggie, uh, the, the, the ring dunk. Yeah, that's a big deal. I'm an Aggie, class of whatever. You know, you could just go on and on and on. I'm this, I'm that. And Paul says right here, he said, I'm going to tell you about Paul. I'm going to tell you about the apostle Paul. 
I'm going to tell you about this old beat up guy that's in jail and things don't look too good. And he would say, verse four, chapter three, although myself might have confidence, even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more, I'm going to give you my resume. I graduated Texas A&M class 67. I started in the engineering business and we built this and we, now we're a global business and we do this or that. And I've got a beautiful wife and we've been married 47 years and I got eight grandchildren, whatever. It might be something like that or anything. And so he goes on to say that. Now he puts this in spiritual terms. He said, I'm going to tell you, I have a reason to, to boast in my flesh, the things that I've done. I was verse five circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of the Hebrews, as of the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as of the righteousness which is found in the law, found blameless. I'm going to tell you, if you were living then, and you were Jewish, and you believed you were a child of God, you couldn't make a higher claim. He said, let me tell you about the old apostle Paul. Genesis through Malachi, the law, Torah, I was without blame. I've never met anybody that could make that statement. Paul made it, and I don't believe he was being arrogant. What he said was, I have memorized the Old Testament. I have been obedient to the Old Testament. I have lived according to God's will. He had a pretty good resume. I've got good DNA. I've got a good lineage. I've got a good mind. I've got a good lifestyle. And you know what he says? Here it is, number four. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things, all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. There's only one thing in life that is worth your effort. There's only one thing in your life that is worth, worth your hard work, your intellectual commitments, your mind, your sweat, your pain, your joy, and your love. Only one, and that's to gain Christ. That's it. Rodeo cowboys want to gain a buckle, fame, an applause. Businessmen want to gain a great P&L statement and growth of a business and Maybe a man and a woman want to gain beauty or strength or health. I don't know the things. We just, we, we were trying to gain and gain and gain and gain power. And he said, the only thing that is worth gaining is Christ. It's all rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And here's the last one. Hmm. Chapter four. Rejoice. See, and that's a choice. Every one of these things is a choice. I'm not going to recap, but I'm going to recap, but I'm going to say this. What you're hoping to gain is your choice. You will not, no one will be responsible when the trumpet blows and the heavens open and the Lord appears and the book is open. You will not be able to say to the Lord, I, you know, everything that I was just trying to get ahead. I was trying to really gain something. I was trying to, no, 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 no. 
There's only one thing that I gave you breath for. There's only one thing that I put blood in your veins for. There's only one thing that I provided the oxygen for you to breathe. So that you would come to the knowledge and the heart and the spirit and the body that says, all I want is Christ. I just want to gain Christ. I want to gain Christ in my spirit, in my partner, my wife. I want to gain Christ in my children. I want to gain Christ in my finances. I want to give to God first. I want to gain Christ in my friendships. That's what I want. And that's your choice. And then the last thing, verse 4, chapter uh, 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always again. I'll say rejoice. That's it. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. It's a domino effect. If no matter what the circumstances in my life, I'm progressing the gospel. To live as Christ and die as gain. My attitude is the attitude of Christ. All I want to do is gain Christ. You'll do nothing but rejoice. And something else will happen. You can't fool it. You can't fake it. You can't bluff it. A forbearing spirit in the Lord will be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you. In the moments of your life where great distress is happening, there's one thing you want. I need somebody to guard my heart. I need someone to guard my mind. I need peace. I've got to rejoice. And then you can do the other. You can become angry. And you can get so full of something. And you can gossip. And you can become divisive. And you can be self-righteous. And all you do is your, 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 your circle gets tighter. And it's a depressing circle. And there's no joy in it. And you're always conspiring. And you're always doing something. And it's always, and it's always me. And you're not gaining anything except more selfishness that leads to not only death of the body, but an eternal death. But if you can just be in this place in your life based upon your choices which will have no excuse, you'll come to this realization that he is the prince of peace. He gives us peace that surpasses all understanding. And he is the peace of God which surpasses all comprehensions. And then so here it is. Finally, brethren, I'm going to give you a test. It won't take but a minute. The last test, at least for where we're at today, says, finally, brethren, whatever's true, Whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is of good repute. If there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Last piece of advice I'm going to give you. When your marriage is in trouble, things are falling apart all around you. I had forgotten this um, in my training uh, for ministerial counseling. Uh, I had just forgotten this. Shame on me. There was a thing you're supposed to do. Husband and wife come to you. The marriage is in trouble. And uh, one of the steps you're supposed to do this. You're meeting, and then you ask the couple. But you could, this would apply to anything, not just marriage. Um, but you could say, okay, I want you to read this verse for one week, seven days. 
I just want you to read this word. Finally, brethren, what is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellent, and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Your choice, okay. So you read it every day for a week. The couple comes back, and this is what you do. They're not ready for it. You wouldn't be ready for it. And you say to the husband and wife, okay, you have to do this before we leave today. I don't care if you've been married five years, two years, 35 years, whatever. You're in trouble. By the time you get to the preacher's office, you're in trouble. You've tried every other means, and you'll finally go to the preacher. So you're going through this process. And this is so eye-opening. Husband, you need to tell me something. Wife, you need to tell me something. Tell me something that is true about your marriage. What's true? We have a lot of truths in our life. Maybe the truth is I hate him. Maybe the truth is I cannot stand him. Or vice versa. That's a true, but it's not the truth he's talking about. What if you trained your mind, Courtney? What if you trained your mind to think this? I'm going to think about truth as it relates to what the Bible says. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth. He's the truth, and no one comes to the Father except through him. But, so I'm going to now, not the truth of the world, well, I can't stand this person, but the truth of Jesus Christ. Now tell me a, a truth that is in your marriage that has to do with Jesus Christ. Tell me this, husband and wife. Boy, it really makes them think. Tell me something that's honorable. Something that's honorable. And it may be hard. Maybe you think there's not a lot that's honorable. When you start putting it in light of Jesus Christ, you'll find something because the Spirit will reveal it to you. And then you say, okay, pure. Give me something pure. Give me something lovely. Give yourself before the Lord something of good repute. Excellent. Worthy of praise. It's very hard for some people. But when you measure it against, why wouldn't you think that way? It has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Nothing. And that's the problem in our marriages. That's the problem in broken relationships, broken families, divided churches. Because the thinking has been dwelling on Things that don't have anything to do with the truth of Jesus Christ, the honor of Jesus Christ, the purity of Jesus Christ, the loveliness of Jesus Christ, the good reputation of Jesus Christ. Boy, people just worried about the good reputation of Jesus Christ. It solved just about everything. The excellence of Jesus Christ. The worthy of praise of Jesus Christ. You'll fix everything. Bulletproof. Bulletproof. No marriage will fail if the couples are thinking that way. No church will divide if the people are thinking that way. No family will fall apart if the people are thinking that way. Again, it's your choice. Let your mind dwell on these things. And all you have to do, you want to see purity, loveliness, worthy of praise, good reputation, Excellence right there. That's all you got to do. How much of your mind is dwelling on that cross? 
and Jesus and Christ and him crucified and how much of it's dwelling on something else. That's my commencement sermon to you this morning. And I hope a seed has been planted in your life that as you graduate through life, you can reflect on the words of the Apostle Paul. We get to celebrate, take the Lord's Supper, have a hymn, a benediction, and we're going to go eat. And uh, so let's pray. Father in heaven again, we love you, we need you. We've got to have you. We need you so desperately in our heart, in our mind, in our spirit. Man, Father, help us to want to gain nothing but you. Help us to want to be near to no one but you. Help us, Father, to think on the things that are pure and lovely and praiseworthy and excellent and of good repute as it relates to your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen.